rips one into the night, deep into right, way out of Moves to the right, it goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it, and the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. What is going on, everybody? Pleased to have on with us today from NJ.com, Eagles insider Mike K. So, Mike, how are we doing today, brother? I'm well. I'm well. Jake, Excellent. Joey, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Joey, as always, on on the MC, on the mic. How are we doing, Joey? Doing great. Uh, Mike K and Joey K. This should be a good uh, episode, especially uh, somebody that's been in the 904 before. So, really excited to have Mike on, man. No, certainly, certainly. Really, really happy and excited to have this opportunity. Uh, and for all of our listeners listeners out there, I'm sure you've already seen, but we're doing the autographed Asante Samuels jersey giveaway right now. Uh, information on that is in our Facebook and Twitter, so be sure to check that out. But we can just pretty much dive right into it with Mike. Joey, I know we've been kind of saving this one for Mike. We've been hoping that nobody else kind of talks about this in the meantime. But I know you had a really interesting uh, question and take, so why don't you just dive right into that? Yeah, Mike. So I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist here. And, uh, you know, it's probably because the Eagles drive me so crazy. But I want to get your thoughts on this and seeing how this offense flows each and every week and some of the, you know, disconnect. I'm wondering, do you think that Nick Sirianni was hired with a little bit of a, a backhanded promise of, hey, Carson is going to be the quarterback if you're hired here? And now he's had to tailor his offense around Jalen Hurts. Sometimes it gets that vibe to me, um, and Sirianni being such a nice guy, it seems like he would never outwardly say that. But do you think behind closed doors or anything that you've heard maybe have, would lead him to say, hey, upon taking this job, we want Carson to be the guy? Well, I, I, I think they left that option open for sure. There, that was certainly an option. I don't think they guaranteed him that Carson was going to be there. Listen, he knew – coming into this, that the relationship was kind of messed up. He knew that there was a possibility that things wouldn't work out. I know he spoke to Carson a couple of times and and tried to mend some fences as, as he did with Zach Ertz, which has been well documented. Um, it just wasn't going to work. And I think there were free agent options that they looked, looked into. Um, I don't think anybody was sold on Jalen until they got to training camp. I, I think that that narrative is a hundred percent correct. I think if you look at how he performed, I thought he had a really good training camp. I, I really did. Um, and I think that turned some heads. I think what he did in the joint practices really settled kind of any dispute that, you know, they could look outside, um, and listen, I mean, since then, everybody's been bought in. But here's the thing. So let's say he was, you know, hypothetical. Let's say he was guaranteed that Carson Wentz would be part of this offense. Well, he's had like seven months to alter <laughs> that offense. You know what I mean? Like, like that's that, the only reason why I would just be like, eh. I mean, I look, I get the theory. The theory makes sense. Uh, I would want this job knowing that I had a franchise quarterback already in place as opposed to somebody who I had to work out, obviously. I mean, that's logical. But I think 
Look, I, I think Sirianni's a guy who likes challenge, and I do think he's going. If they look, if they turn things around, look, they've got a much easier schedule in the second half of the season. If he yeah. ends up going like seven and ten, or eight and nine, or nine and eight, uh, with Jalen Hurts not looking all that great, but they're still winning, that's a pretty big pat on the back for him because. Look, I mean, they're one win away from what they were last year. Um, And I do think I've seen some growth. Look, the penalties are down. Uh, The offensive line is playing much better. Um, When they are running the ball, they are successful. It's now about kind of figuring out how you can be successful with Jalen Hurts at quarterback while still progressing his development, right? So, like, a lot of of quarterbacks – young quarterbacks as I go on this diatribe, they have the time without the expectation of, hey, you got to make the playoffs or, hey, whatever. Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni at every pass have, have deflected when asked about a rebuild. This is not a rebuild. They've they've put the pressure on themselves to contend, and uh, they call it a transition period because essentially what they're doing is look rebuilds aren't about being awful. That's like the, that's the misconception. Rebuilds <laughs> are about building a core that you can build upon, right? Um, similar to what Doug Peterson did, right? Like the yeah. like the, the cupboard was empty at wide receiver. The cupboard was empty at running back. The cupboard was empty at corner. The cupboard was empty at, at linebacker. But they had a good base of you know Fletcher Cox and. Um, Brandon Graham and, and and basically all the guys that are kind of still here, really. Um, and then they built around them. Um, and that's what they're kind of doing. It's just in a different kind of setting. And you're seeing it with how they're acquiring young cornerbacks. They know that there's aging corners in, in the secondary, even though this is the best cornerback play they've had in 10 years. Um, so with Jalen Hurts, there's this pressure on him to develop while also compete. And I think like that's the biggest issue and kind of the missing the, you know, the forest for the trees that a lot of people who comment on him or comment on the lack of success, like you've got to have it one way or another. Like you either want to see growth or you want to see wins. Like what do you, what's, what do you want to get out of this year? And I think that's something that the Eagles constantly have to go back and forth with is what do they want of the year? Do they want to develop their young quarterback and their young head coach and see if this can work or do they want wins right we're eagles fans we want everything right like that's the thing uh i was on another podcast and people asked me you know do you think that nick sirianni um is like emotionally like prepared for philadelphia and i actually turned it around and i think i said i don't think philadelphia is really emotionally prepared for nick sirianni Uh, You know, he is a guy that I would tell you in probably 10 other markets would be considered like Brandon Staley to national media. Like he is a guy who is genuine. And, you know, as journalists, we only ask people to be honest. And he is about as honest as you can get. He is genuine. Everything you see, like there, trust me, there are coaches that that will act like they're the nicest guy in the world. Then they'll talk shit about you. The, Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you're gone. Look, I covered a coach. I won't name names, but I covered a coach who, who was super nice to my face. And I always got the sneaking suspicion. He was not a big fan of me. And then later found out, he, yeah, you know, not a big fan. So I, I think, um, look, you know, Doug clammed up towards the end because he yeah. got so much criticism for what he said. And I think that's something that fans and, 
And frankly, you know, some of my colleagues don't realize is that, you know, we want the truth. We want people to be themselves. That's what gives us the best writing material. That's what gives us the best insight into the team. And Nick Sirianni has been genuine from the jump. Amen. I'll, that's yeah. what I've been saying too. Amen. <laughs> Love it. No, we've been we've been on talking a lot of people talking to a lot of people about t-shirts, about uh, you know, stickers on his hat, about highlighters and all. And Joey's been right on it. Like, look, man, like you'd any coach something I don't care about any no matter what, you'd find something to say. Like he's he's being honest. Wouldn't you rather him just tell you how it is rather than you know a Bill Belichick or anything? Like, look, on to on to Chargers next week. Next question. And so well, no, that was beautifully said. I mean, Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I would say like everybody talks about like the pandering or whatever, like everybody in Philly wants everyone in Philly to root for their team. Like, you know, God forbid, look, I'm a journalist and I have to be objective and people get upset when I'm not a fan of the Eagles. Right. Like they get (laughs) upset, like, oh, how could you, you know what I mean? Like I grew up a devil's fan. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm sure I'll get crap for that, but like, we're sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like, here, rewind back. Remember when Jalen Hurts last year wore a bunch of Astros stuff and local media killed him for that? Oh yeah. Well, you can't have it both ways. Then, you know, Nick Sirianni's embracing your city, embracing, you know, your local franchises. How are you going to just continue to hate on the guy. I mean, it, I, I don't know. He's being himself. He's a big sports fan. He's a massive basketball fan. He grew up a really big Allen Iverson fan. So like, I mean, I don't know, cut him some slack. I mean, I'm not trying to defend him, but I like, I just, there are certain things that people pick at that I just genuinely don't understand and find to be a waste of time. Something about that K in the last name. I'm telling you, Mike K and Joey K, they, they tell you about pandering. I love it. On the same page. No, here. no we're, we're pretty much all on the same page right there with that. So at halftime tomorrow, it is the official halfway point of the Eagles season thus far. I would love to kind of just get your take on the pulse of the Eagles right now. Like heading into the season, everybody had a million different interpretations of how they thought and how they would like for it to go. Where's your kind of head at with expectations and where they might go ahead? I know we were talking about how the Eagles schedule is arguably the easiest for the remainder of the year. So kind of looking back, looking where they're at now and maybe looking a little bit forward. Jake. I don't mean to cop this out, but I got two more quarters to like evaluate before I. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I'll be, I'll be there. So I'm going to evaluate too. Look, their home schedule. I don't know what Nick Sirianni did to the schedulers, but look, I, I I'm not even on the field, and I can tell you, I can feel it from all the travel that that I've done over the last eight weeks. Like it's it's been brutal, and then when they've been home, they're playing. You know, the 49ers who were playoff contenders, the Buccaneers who were Super Bowl contenders, the Chiefs who at the time were considered Super Bowl contenders. Um, you know, they're playing good teams at home. And the reason why I picked them to go nine and eight is because of this like decline in level of talent once you get past uh, Vegas. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I think. You could sell me on them winning, going six and three the rest of the the, the, the schedule. You really could. You could say okay because you look if they beat the Chargers on Sunday, that changes everything. 
Um, one from a, from a, Hey, what level of ta- uh, talent does this team have from a, Hey, what type of coaches Nick Sirianni? Yeah. I know they're missing their two starting corners and they can't stop the run, but it's still a challenge when you have Justin Herbert on the other side of the field. Uh, and frankly, I think they are going to beat them. Um, I've got a very good vibe about this. I've talked to people who cover the chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert has got kind of the yips because the right side of the line is not protecting well at all. If I'm the Eagles, I'm moving Josh Sweat to go up against the right tackle all game and having Ryan Kerrigan take on Rashawn Slater, who is phenomenal at left tackle. He's going to blanket anybody. So you might as well have the same result that you always get from Ryan Kerrigan. Um, I think they're going to blitz a lot. (laughs) I think they're going to run the ball pretty effectively. But I do – I am curious if Nick Sirianni can stop himself from from really testing these corners because yeah. the strategy against the Lions really should work against the the, the Chargers, frankly. Um, look, this locker room still adores Nick Sirianni. I've been told that Jalen Hurts is very, very fond of Nick Sirianni, um, which is the most important thing. Um, I don't think anybody's clamoring for, for Gardner Minshew internally. Uh, this is a team that knows that it's young. I think they're tired of being called soft. I think that's why you saw them come out the way they did against the Lions. Um, and I think they want to be more physical. I think, look, I think there's some some logic in it, not not running the ball, but preserving your running backs. Because right now they have two really fresh running backs who can run over defenses yeah. that are bad against the run. And I think that that's effective. Not that th- that was really their strategy, because obviously Miles Sanders is the guy they wanted. But uh, excuse me. Um, sorry, as I get it's my windows. Um, now I look like I've got like, you know, it's a dogma where like, <laughs> you know, drop some knowledge on us, Mike. But look, I think. I think when you check the pulse of this team, like even Fletcher Cox, who outright criticized the defense, Detroit was a kind of a step in the right direction. Um, A lot of double A gap blitzes, a lot of um, adjusted coverages. Like that's what you got to do. You can't stay static as a defense. And I think Jonathan Gannon realized, look, I know I don't have the talent that I want to run this defense, even though he'll never admit that. Um, I can't just stay stationary. Sometimes I got to take my, my lumps because really what they were doing is brilliant in theory, but the problem is, is yeah, you're giving up, uh, you're only giving up like five yards, uh, um, a completion, but if you're completing it every single time, yeah. that's bad to long drives and you're not going to have your offense on the field and your defense is going to be tired. And, and Really, they came out swinging. I mean, you saw Marcus Epps, I think, on the first play of the game, blitzed. Uh, they really, really tried to set a physical tone there, and I think it worked. Um, now, getting back to your question, sorry, I, I went on, a, on a, off on a tangent about the Chargers <laughs> and the Lions, but um, look, my vibe for this team is kind of what I thought it would be. Um, I didn't expect them to have such penalty issues and such like adversity within games. Uh, I did think they would be probably about four and and four, three and five at this point in the season, but I didn't. Some of the play calling issues were really just like shoot yourself in in, in the foot. They should have beat the Forty Niners. Um, oh yeah. There's really no reason why they shouldn't have beaten the Raiders, and it just like that's the thing is like. 
we look at the results, but we also have to look at the process of the results. And so I think sometimes fans are like, well, they're three and five. They're not like in last place. They're clearly, but like, how did you get there? Right. And I think it's the same thing when you're successful. Cool. You, you know, you look at, at the Panthers who started three and Oh, they beat nothing but bad teams. I knew the Eagles were going to beat them. Uh, I like felt it in my bones. It was weird. I, it was like a sixth sense. Um, and so I, I just think, look, once you get past this chargers game, if they beat the chargers, I think it's a clean slate and you've got to really just, you know, you've got to, you've got to have that two to one win ratio. They're going to be at home for like, three of their final four games. They don't really have to take a plane ride outside of Denver for the rest of the season. I mean, you know, it's setting up to where, look, they can beat the Jets. They can beat the Giants. Uh, look, even if they split against the the Giants and the Redskins, or sorry, excuse me, Washington. Uh, <laughs> Careful. Against, yeah, look, if they split against Washington, the Giants beat the Jets, beat the Chargers, that's four wins right there. New Orleans is very beatable. Um, especially with Jameis out of the picture. So let's say they beat them, right? They beat them last year with, with Jalen. So so that's five wins right there. And then Denver looks to be falling apart in a lot of yeah. ways. So that's six wins right there. Then that, that means they split against Washington. They split against the Giants. Yeah, I mean, Dallas will probably be resting at starters. Right, exactly. So like in theory, they could win seven of the next nine games, which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it. I don't think they Nuts. will, but um, right now, like before the season, I had them at nine and eight right now. I'm at like eight and nine, um, but nine and eight and is, is really there. And look, I mean, I'm not, I don't tend to be optimistic. I tend to just be kind of neutral. But I also see the logic in the optimism. I see the lot, but I don't really see the logic in the in the negativity. Given what we've seen, I, I'm skeptical. But I also think like this seems kind of like in the middle of the road, and so yeah. they, it's really a transition period for them right now in the season. Yeah, that's a good point. When, when, especially when you made up, like, what are you trying to do? You trying to evaluate, or are you trying to win? You know, you can't have it both ways. So I really like the way you said that, and. You know, Mike, hey, it's Saturday morning. We're going to get you out of here, brother. But one last thing I want to ask you. You know, I was listening to you guys, uh, you and Chris on the No Huddle Show. Great show, by the way. And you you, you gave a little teaser about how you're going to start getting the drafting, draft stuff. You know, we're big draft nerds over here. We love it. We oh, love yeah. covering it. So my question to you is put on your GM hat for the Eagles here. The season wraps up. You can either answer this as Howie Roseman would answer it, or you can answer it as Mike K, how he would do it. Those three first round picks. And I, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have three. I've said a million times, we're not making three first round picks. However you look at it. Um, but with the talent at the top of this defense at this draft defensively, do you see Howie going after his baby and Russ? Do you see us building around Hertz. Do you see us making three picks? You're the GM end of the season right now. How are you going into that? So I have four picks in the first two rounds. Um, <clears throat> I have Fletcher Cox. I have <laughs> Lane Johnson. I have a lot of assets. I also have a lot of money. Um, I'm going after Russell Wilson. Uh, I think five years of Russell Wilson is worth a first round pick and a second round pick. Is this Mike or is this Howie? 
Oh, if I'm Howie, then then I'm probably <laughs> willing to give two first round picks, the two later ones. Okay, and then go after Thibodeau or or uh, corner or safety or whatever. Um, look, I, they will pick in the first round this year. They're not going to trade a ton. Of oh yeah, draft right. capital. Here's the thing: the reason why it's the right move to go after Wilson now is you have the three first round picks, so you're safeguarded to where you have to trade, you know, premium assets, but you still have a ton of premium assets to build around him, which is, should be appealing to him. He's a guy who also wants front office stay. We know that Howie Roseman has leaned on franchise players in the past for their for their insight. Um, I think from Howie's perspective they know that they have always wanted Russell. Russell is their guy. He is the one that got away. And I think, look, he's got probably five years left in him where he can be a really effective starter. Um, this is a team that kind of sold their soul to win a Super Bowl and have like the perfect everything line up. If they feel like they can win with, look, there's pieces on this team. This is not like a t- this isn't a team that's like devoid of talent. Like they're devoid of talent at linebacker um, and safety really needs to be upgraded. But corner, like if you said, look, if my plan was to get Russell Wilson, here's what I do. I'd sign Steven Nelson to another one year deal. Um, I have all these corners that I can develop behind him. Um, I'm re-signing Avante Maddox, but I'm letting the market. The reason why they haven't signed Avante Maddox to an extension is probably because they want the market to set. Because nickel corner is the weirdest market you can possibly have. Guys get super well paid. Other guys get Nikel Roby Coleman get a one year, like basically minimum deal. Um, So even if they play well. So um, I would re-sign the starting, these two starting corners who are about to be um, free agents I would probably wipe out the safety group and start from scratch outside of Marcus Epps, who I, who's shown me stuff. So is Kayvon Wallace. And those guys would be my two backups. But I would I would get new starters in there. I think Rodney is effective, but he's probably best off as a third safety at this point in his career. Um, and then I would say linebacker, you've got to retool it. You've got to say to yourself, look, we have the money now. We have the picks now. Um, we should spend a second-round pick on a, on a linebacker. because. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> look, they should have taken Logan. I mean, look, all things considered, if you could go back in time, I probably would have taken Jeremy Chin or Logan Wilson there. Um, Two of my favorite. But I, look, I still think Carson doesn't work out, even if they – like, unpopular opinion, even if they don't draft Jalen Hurts. This is an issue. Sure. Because uh, it was an issue before Jalen Hurts. And I think a yeah. lot of people use that as a scapegoat and, and what have you. And look, it's on both sides. I, I think a lot of people rush to say, like, Carson wants quit on the Eagles or – the Eagles let Carson down. Here's something that, that really just should people, I mean, most people on the outside wouldn't think about, but uh, everybody talked about like how they didn't put pieces in front of around Carson. Okay. They've most of their premium picks during the Carson Wentz era were clients of his agents. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Andre Dillard, um, Dallas Goddard, like they've put pieces around him that he was comfortable with, that he he worked with. Uh, like I, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but on the other side, look, I do think there was a trust factor, and I do think the Eagles, while the Eagles publicly handled the Nick Foles situation well, I do think there was always this lingering feeling that Nick Foles was in the building. Remember, I came during the 2018 season, and when he suffered that back injury, and Nick went on that tear. I was like, ah, whew, I would not want to be Howie Roseman right now. Um, 
because Nick Foles, when he is good, he is great. When he is bad, he is horrific. And so it's kind of like this weird thing. Like I remember warning, uh, I wrote a piece when, when the Jaguars recording him. I'm like, if you don't get him a tight end and a left tackle, you are not going to win games. Yeah. Period. Period. When he has a left tackle and a tight end, he's, you, I mean, you might as well hang up an AFC South banner right now. But um, <laughs> that obviously didn't work out. So, uh, wow, I've been talking in like crazy circles. Um, I think what they would do if I was Howie Roseman is they would trade two of the four premium picks, not the first one. The first one's untouchable. You cannot right. trade that pick. Um, and then I think they would address the defense because that's really what there's Absolutely. talent here. There's talent here on offense. Look, a lot of people have been like, like I remember writing this uh, before last season. I'm like, the offensive line is not going to be an issue because guys are actually, you know, serendipitously getting all this exposure. And, uh, you know, I think Nate Herbig is a legitimate right guard in the league. I think Jack Driscoll is a guy who can play multiple spots and start. Yeah. Uh, I think you got Lane Johnson for one more year. Um, Jason Kelsey might retire after the season, the way his contract's structured, it kind of seems like that. Um, you know, Isaac Samalu has dealt with injury issues for a very long time. And so you got to make a decision on him, but he could be your future starter at center. You've got Landon Dickerson, who I think has played very, very well at left guard. And then, you know, left tackle, you, you signed Jordan Melata, plus you got Andre Dillard. And, you know, I think they're in really good shape. I, I really do offensive line wise, long-term. Running back, they're going to have to figure out what they see in Miles Sanders. I, I think they've kind of learned that Boston Scott can, you know, play, uh, which I think is ridiculous. They weren't using him sooner. He's a better screen pass player than pretty much anyone else they have. Um, so, you know, I, they really like Kenny Gainwell. The tight end group, like if you re-sign Dallas Goddard, which I think they will, um, then – I read Jackson. Kyrie Jackson, I really like what I see from from Jack Stahl as a as a blocker, um, and as kind of like a Trey Burton, Jack of all trades kind of kind of bro. And then look, quarterback, it's figured out if you're if you're trading for Russell Wilson. Um, so look, I, I I think this team could go on a run next year. I think Nick is the perfect coach for Russell Wilson, and so look, I I think there's a lot to like in that scenario if you're Howie Roseman and frankly could save his job long-term because I do think Russell Wilson is still very, very good. Um, He has not had a good offensive line in several years here. He would. Um, I think Devontae Smith would be the highest drafted wide receiver he's ever played with. Um, I know everybody's negative on, on Jalen Rager, but I think they're starting to use him properly. He is kind of a golden Tate esque player. Um, and then, you know, I love what I'm seeing from Quez Watkins. That kid is very, very good. Um, and so, look, I, I think there's talent here. I think you could appeal to oh, yeah. Russell Wilson for sure. <clears throat> no, we've talked about a bunch of it. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so after the first two <clears throat> rounds, uh, either Thibodeau, Stingley, Kyle Hamilton, plus Russell Wilson would be just a win for the Eagles after those first two rounds is what you're saying. Basically, yeah. And I mean, I, look, I think <clears throat> this draft is getting this this knock that it's <clears throat> not that talented. I haven't even started my draft prep yet, so I'm not trying to defend it. But like, 
that never really turns out. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be able to find guys that are, you know, especially coming off the COVID season, there are going to be guys that took off that actually returned. And so they're a little bit more fresh. Um, I think, I think there are going to be a lot of possibilities here. And I I think, look, I, they have 10 picks right now. Do I think they're going to make 10 picks? Do I think they're going to make eight picks? No. Uh, I, I think that, with this money, um, you know, they could pull like a D'Amico Ryan's like deal where they trade for a linebacker who's maybe got two years left on his deal, doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money and you renegotiate. So um, they need a veteran linebacker. I think they know that that's the case. It doesn't even need to be a middle linebacker. Like I, I like TJ Edwards. I like Davian Taylor. They yeah. need to grow, but like you need like a, you need an alpha. And I think, Alex Singleton, in theory, would be that guy. I don't think he's a great fit for this defense or the way he's been been used. Frankly, I think he should be playing the Sam linebacker role that Jannard Avery's playing because he is really capable in coverage. Um, he can set an edge. He can blitz. Uh, I think he's been misused. I think he's been put in the wrong spot. Um, if I have one big, like, player criticism it's like he and fletcher cox both have not been utilized to their strengths gannon not utilizing his defense appropriately never well look i think gannon's a really smart guy when when he got hired i spoke to a lot of people in the league they talked about him like he was the sean McBay of defense and i think it's a personnel issue like when you don't have the linebackers to to kind of run the mike zimmer defense you're not going to be able to trust the back end. Like Mike Zimmer's defense, like has always had really good safeties and really good linebackers. The Eagles do not have really good safeties or really good linebackers. You're, you're, you're overcompensating by the cornerbacks love this defense because they have protection. Like they're, they're staring at the ball. Like they're doing well. Um, the defensive line to read and react is a completely different thing than what, what Jim Schwartz asked them to do, which was just attack. And so I think they're getting used to it. Like I think that Josh sweat is a natural speed rusher. And so to have him play like five technique is not necessarily the smartest move, but they're figuring it out. You know, they're figuring it out. Maybe it doesn't work out, but they're figuring it out. No, I tend to agree with you on a lot of things you said there, but we've talked a ton and and the cornerbacks have been playing great, but like you have Steve Nelson and Darius Slay who are known to be much better when playing man to man. And you have multiple games where you're playing single digit man to man plays. Uh, And like you said, wonderfully, you have a defensive line that has just previously been told attack, get, you know, get downfield, get somebody off their spot, make a play. And now it, I do think it's a lot of growing pains of a read and react kind of style. Um, would love to see a lot more of what we saw last week. Obviously, the competition, although it is much worse than earlier in the season, is not going to be anywhere near as bad as the Lions are. Yeah. But uh, hoping to see a lot more aggression like everybody. That's just echoing pretty much Philadelphia as a whole. And uh, kind of letting our, our guys go out there and do what they're best at while also slowly incorporating a little bit more of what he wants to do and, and seeing where it goes, where it goes from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I think, I don't think they turned a corner against the lions, but there's stuff that you can actually build upon from, from with the line, you know, no doubt. What, you know no doubt. all right. Well, now we've, we've taken a ton of time from you. We've got about 60 seconds left for all of our great guests. We always do a quick rapid fire. This is you answer, not what you think the correct answer is, but the first thing that comes to your head all started off with a with kind of a softball here. 
Uh, favorite player you've ever interviewed? Jason Kelsey. Least favorite player you've ever interviewed? Chris Clemens. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite stadium outside of Lincoln Financial that you've gone to a game to? Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. There you go. And I bet you can pick up on a trend here. Least favorite stadium that you've been to. Uh, FedEx Field by uh, everybody. Everybody says <clears throat> horrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go look, one more. I spent forever in Jacksonville. So and that's terrible stadium, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then kind of in a in a Jimmy Kemsky esque kind of thing. Favorite stadium food. Dallas. It's always Dallas. It's, it, there you it, go. Dallas. There you go. Joey? Mike, I got one quick one for you. I know you said something. I believe you said you like chicken parm on one of your episodes. Um, any favorite spot, Italian spot in Jacksonville that you can remember off the top of your head? I really like um, – what's it called? It's been so long. I think it's called Al's. Al's Pizza? Yeah, Al's Pizza. Okay. I know it's not like I know it's kind of like a Cheney esque little little Cheney, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that place. They've got a good parm. Uh, okay. Favorite tacos though? Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, oh, Sierra Grill. You ever been been to Sierra Grill? I don't think I have. No. Okay, have it so it's over by. Um, I'm trying to think of what road it is. Um, it's on like the the main road of the beach. Um, there's the whole foods there. What, it's like where the massive target is. I'm trying to remember what road that is. Anyway, look for it. It's <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, I'm sure you can find it on, you know, yeah. Google maps. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for the time. I know we've been, we've been playing a little bit of tag, trying to figure out when it works out with everybody. So I really appreciate you making this time available for us. Jake, Joey, I, I enjoyed being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. You guys do a, a, a great job. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I just, you know, <laughs> I'm exhausted. So it's it's one of those Saturday morning, Mike. It's all yeah, good. <laughs> Joey's going to figure this out too. But like, I have a two year old going on three, and he he's in this phase where it's like either I sleep with you or I don't sleep at all. And then I'm traveling every week and it's like, oh man, I'm looking forward to the second half of the season where I only have to drive outside of Denver. So thanks guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope people are subscribing to the show. It's, it's fun. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks Mike. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. All right. Awesome time. I'll tell you what a great, what a great guest we get to have there. Mike, obviously with everybody still tuning in, incredible knowledge just kind of loved letting him kind of go on those tangents there yeah he's he's a he's a plethora of knowledge um uh one story i was actually sharing with 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 mike and jake prior to even coming on was you know i actually during the whole carson wentz saga when everything was going down when philly sports were just bad i think i tweeted something pretty pretty jackassy towards him and he uh you know responded in such a professional manner responding back to me just you know talking and we got to talking and i was like man i was like this guy is knowledgeable and he's nice and i'm an idiot so uh (laughs) gained nothing but respect for him from that moment um and have been able to share some twitter exchanges with him really great guy check him out mike k uh nj advanced media nj.com he runs the no huddle show 
Um, he has his own podcast too with Chris Franklin, always dropping tidbits and information that he has. Um, yeah, and he used to live in the 904, which is where I'm going to be moving soon too. So pretty cool to, to cross paths like that. No, exactly. NJ.com, No Huddle Podcast. Be sure to check him out. And he's a great Twitter follow. Uh, always doing funny things. I, I think I saw Halloween. Uh, he was dressed up as a possibly a dinosaur in the press booth. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, but I will say this. His his movie knowledge is second to none. I've seen some little one-liners he's thrown in there as far as like his historical movie knowledge. It's top-notch. Top-notch. No, top-notch just with his uh, Eagles insider information. Top-notch. Uh, but as we said at the beginning of the show, we have that Asante Samuels autographed jersey giveaway going on right now on our Facebook and Twitter. I know in our last episode, I kind of set the the tune for the drawing where I said if Asante Samuels Jr. doesn't get a pick, it'll be this week. And if he does, it'll be next week. He's not even playing. So Asante so- Samuel, Jake, from UCF. There you go. Just wanted to let the listeners know. So, so Joey, I'll just leave it in your hands. It was kind of predicated on if – Asante Samuels Jr. played in this game. He is now ruled out. We were kind of teasing that a little bit with Mike with going after some of the backup cornerbacks. So when when are we doing the drawing? You, I'll let I'll leave it up into your hands here. When are we when are we drawing for that Asante Samuels jersey? So it's going to be all up to the listeners and the viewers on when we do this drawing. Once we get over 50 people tagged on this entry, on this drawing, on Twitter, 50 people on Twitter, 50 people on Facebook. Tag your friends, tag everybody who likes Asante, who likes the Eagles, who likes the birds. Hey, maybe even if they like UCF, like myself, if you like that, tag a friend. We'll be doing a drawing for the Asante Samuel jersey, number 22, but number one in your hearts. Um, One of the better corners. We're playing against his son Sunday, but he's not going to be playing. He's out injured. That's why we're doing it. So let's get to 50, guys. Let's do it. Let's get to 50 people that you're putting on there. And as soon as we do, we're going to be pulling a name. We're we'll gonna be calling you. We'll bring you on the pod. We'll send you the jersey. Oh yeah, no, I love it. And and I know a lot of people were kind of asking. I ran a poll like a week ago what our next giveaway should be, and uh, Flyers won. And I know they're like, well, now you're doing the Eagles giveaway. Like Joey said, we're playing his son this week, or we're playing his team. He's out, so that's kind of why we went that route. We still do have the Flyers ticket and autograph puck giveaway coming up soon. We're going to kind of let this one settle down, and then we're going to be doing the, the tickets and puck giveaway. So be sure to be tuned in for that. Uh, a lot of exciting news right on the horizon that uh, we're really looking forward to debut on the pod. So tune in, giveaways, all kinds of great content. It's only going to be getting ramped up from here on out. Like Mike K said, easy part of the schedule. Let's go 7-2, and two, baby. And Jake, you're going to be at the game tomorrow, right? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm finalizing tailgate plans. Uh, once that's all finalized, I'm going to be blasting out on social media. Going to try to get everything set up to do a tailgate show with uh, anybody can hop on. I'll have plenty of beer there. You come on, show that you're a fan of the podcast. Follow us. I'll I'll, I'll slip you a couple cold ones. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, yeah. All right, Joey. Well, have a great Saturday. Enjoy watching some of this college football. Maybe we'll see the future Eagles quarterback if they don't go after Russell. Or who knows? Maybe Jalen Hurts will just ball out for the second half of the year, and we'll have our guy right there in-house. There you go. As always, Bryce Harper, MVP, guys. Chick-fil-A, close on Sunday.